Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that's devoted to living enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Rejuvenating, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Each month, we present a program that involves kind of a personal training in the area of rejuvenating, goal-achieving psychology, some of the other concepts that I developed. But the other three weeks, we have interesting, informative, and educational guests who lead their lives enthusiastically and can help you to do so from their own perspective. And today, we have a really special guest. J.P. McAvoy is the founder and managing partner of Conduct Law, and he practices corporate and commercial law and is also a business consultant for CPLSPA, a lot of initials there. (laughs) He acts for clients buying, selling, and starting up businesses. J.P. represents a diverse range of corporations in Canada, the United States, and even Asia. When JP is not practicing law, he can be found with his wife and son. That really hits me in the right place because you're spending quality time with your family. JP travels frequently, so stay alert. He might be in your area next. And before I introduce him further, I just want to say JP is the lawyer for those of you who don't like lawyers, because it's really impossible to not like him. He's such a good guy, and I'm so happy to have you on our show. JP, welcome to Rejuvenating. Ron, thanks so much for that wonderful introduction. I can tell you, honestly, I've never been introduced that way before. I'm going to have to get you to cut something for me so I can put that out there as well. You'll describing, as you say, it's painful sometimes to deal with your lawyer. And it's one of those things that people avoid. It may be one of those things that actually ages us. And so to the extent that I'm able to help and bring the law in a favorable light to help people accomplish their goals, I'm happy to be there for them as well. Great, JP. One of the ways you do that, I know, is through your podcast, which is called The Millionaire's Lawyer. Does that mean if I retain you, you're going to make me a millionaire? Or do I have to be a millionaire to afford your fees? Or uh, (laughs) where's the name come from? And tell us a little bit about the podcast and the thinking behind it. Oh, that's great, Ron. Thank you for that. Uh, so the millionaire's lawyer, no, you don't have to be a millionaire. Hopefully by working together, you become one. That's the goal for the millionaire's lawyer. I launched the podcast because I, like you, was probably seeing a lot of the similar questions from clients and people that were looking to grow their businesses. I've worked with many, as you described earlier, and helped them grow their business from wherever it was to the point where it was sold for millions and sometimes even billions of dollars. I've worked with a number of billionaires and helped them grow their businesses as well. So for me, the idea of the millionaire's lawyer is to take somebody from where they are and grow them to the spot where they are actually becoming a millionaire and possibly selling their business for millions of dollars. Great. That sounds like, uh, like a goal for many people to aspire. And I'm wondering, what is your ideal client? When should somebody be thinking about retaining you? Is it kind of the equivalent of saving for retirement that you encourage somebody to start early? Or is it something that when you get into the what I call the second half century of life is at the time. And what's the size of the business? Great question, Ron. And it's, uh, I give it a two-part answer to that because exactly the way you described, you can never talk to a professional too early. 
There may not be as much work for the professional to do in an early stage, but certainly it makes sense to talk early. So you're laying a foundation. So if someone's carrying on business and they're just starting, I would certainly advise that perhaps a brief conversation uh, to put a structure in place, maybe incorporating a business. And then you let somebody run their business and carry on. The real meat, though, is what you described, that sort of second stage or the second, second phase of life, second phase of business, right? Where there's a business that's been evolving as a going concern. It might be paying some tax. It may be uh, taking on some debt. It's in a phase where it's deciding which way it goes, if it's going to get to the next level or stay consistent or perhaps peter off. That's the real key time, I think, to talk with someone like myself, a professional lawyer and uh, consultant and possibly an accountant as well, to make sure the business is structured for that second phase or potential push. We see too often that businesses peter out, that they dwindle down and they don't realize the potential value. There's a lot of people that are prepared to pay up for a business that's a going concern if it's structured the right way and has the right, right characteristics. So by working with professionals such as myself, we can coach, we can take somebody that's got a business as a going concern and make sure they get over the hump. They might want to continue running themselves, but they also might want to sell it for maybe even millions of dollars, in which case they're free to do whatever else they want. So if they're prepared to talk about those things with us, we can talk to them about the ways that they might be able to take it to the next level. So certainly from the beginning, but most importantly, in the, in the secondary stage of a, of a business's growth. So in many ways, you're doing in a business way what I try to encourage from a mental health standpoint is to not just let things happen, but to take control of and own that part of your life. You mentioned incorporating a couple of times, and I know I've had this discussion with my practice and see it thrown around a bit in terms of, you know, what are the advantages, disadvantages? I know it costs money to incorporate. Is there a return for that that offsets that? First, I want to go back to what you just said in terms of the guidance that we provide clients and common clients, I think is analogous, as you say, to be focused on what the goal, right? The end game is. I think that we both do that very effectively for our clients to make sure they plan through at all stages. Incorporating is one such stage. There are obviously pros and cons. I just think that the, the pros so far outweigh the cons that I encourage people really to think about incorporating. As you say, there is some cost. It's minimal. You can probably be incorporated for $1,000, $1,500. The costs of incorporation, I'd suggest, are quickly made up by two things. One, and perhaps the most specific, is the tax savings. Corporations pay a reduced corporate income tax rate, so a, a smaller rate of income tax than we do as individuals. So if we're earning income uh, as an individual, and we're paying tax, it likely makes more sense to earn that by way of incorporation. And then to the extent that you're able to leave within the corporation, if your construction corporation allows you to leave within it, you're going to pay taxes only a corporate income tax rate. So right off the bat, it probably makes sense to be incorporated if you're generating income. If you're not generating income, that's where it falls back down to, does it justify the expense at this stage? It may not. I mean, a lawyer still wants you to be incorporated because of course you're shielding yourself from liability. So a limited liability corporation is going to uh, shield yourself from liability. But if you don't have that additional tax savings, some people say, I'm going to hold off until such time as I'm actually generating income, right? I'm generating income that I'm paying tax on. In which case, the lawyer says, yeah, understood. We've talked about the pros and cons and you decide just to wait. So that's kind of this, the way you're, you're, you run the gamut. Of course, you'd like to be protected from liability, but you're willing to, I guess, accept the liability because it may be very limited for what you're doing. Then go ahead, don't incorporate, wait until such time as you're generating income that justifies that incorporation. Okay, this is really, really powerful advice, but I can imagine some people are listening and saying, you know, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, I've been working for somebody else all my life. You know, I've got a, a 
the type of career that may not lend itself to me moving up to being a president? Is there something in this for me? Is there something I should be thinking about if I've essentially been an employee all my life and kind of anticipate that unless unless you've got something to help me with? Uh, that'd be great. I mean, as you say, you are sometimes limited by circumstances. Employment is uh, obviously a necessary evil, or some people enjoy the, the work that they're doing and say, I'm prepared to do this for as long as I can. It's interesting. I work with a lot of people in their later years that have the, the luxury of being able to retire from their employment and then contract back to their employer as a consultant. A double dipping, really, if they're able to do that. It's a, it, it really is a luxury. For those listening, I'd ask them to consider whether it ever is a possibility. In other words, if you've got you know, three, five years left, you say to your employer, you know what? You've had the benefit of my expertise in this area for years and years and years. I'm thinking I want to do a couple of other things as well. But of course, I still want to continue on with you. And I want you to ensure that you've got the benefit of my expertise. I'm thinking about resigning. And I'd like to contract back with you. A person that does something like that would then form a corporation. That corporation would be an independent contractor, consult back to the employer, pay that reduced income tax rate I'm talking about. Uh, so they'd actually end up with more money in their pocket. And the nice thing is that's a defective way to transition into other phases of your life. If it's available, again, I know it's a luxury, but if that's available, because what you're saying then to people is, great, so you've got one consulting gig, right? So one thing that you're able to do from here. Are there other things you might be interested in working on? In which case you could, if you've got the energy, the interest, the desire, put it out to a couple of other people as well and consult with them as well. In so doing, you're actually creating a business that pays less tax and will have some legacy, some succession. Because if you build up a couple of clients and a client base and some history, you may actually have something at the end of the day that you could possibly sell. You hear me as the millionaire's lawyer, I'm always thinking about creating that value, but creating a business that might have some value. If it's possible, why not? And that's one of the things that we explore with our clients as well. The other aspect to it is kind of the direction that I come from, because I see it in my, my own work, that if you're doing something meaningful and it's yours, I mean, the psychological rewards are many. I mean, there are some dangers such as nobody is telling you that it's five o'clock and now it's time to go home and you have to learn how to exercise some self-discipline and so on. But, but the rewards of being able to say, hey, I'm the boss, you know, I've had these great ideas. Now I can implement them. I think psychologically, that's that's a terrific. One. Yeah, absolutely. I'm approaching this, you know, so frequently from a pecuniary sense, right? You know, the millionaire's lawyer talking about doing this for profit. But as you say, there are so many additional benefits. One, as you say, is having somebody engaged, somebody that jumps out of bed in the morning, wants to uh, get involved with what the most recent project is. An extension of that as well could be the way that they help others, right? So there's some satisfaction in so doing. But it is actually a wonderful thing when you set up a business where you have somebody engaged in a pursuit that is a win-win-win. It's a win for those involved with them. It's a win for them, obviously, and anything, anybody that they're helping in the process. And to the extent you can, you can do anything like that, I'm always, I'm always encouraging it. Great. And uh, what about this question came up in kind of an indelicate way uh, when somebody asked me about my own practice about a month ago and said, what happens if you drop dead tomorrow? I think there could have been some some more logical ways of asking it, but what about the person who isn't thinking about retiring? You know, maybe it's a possibility down the road, but right now, like in my case, I can't think of anything I'd rather do than what I'm doing. What should I be thinking about? Because, you know, the reality is that 
there's a lot that that's in my head that that I probably haven't adequately addressed. One of the key aspects and one of the key when I say the pros and cons, one of the key pros of incorporating is the fact that corporations have what we call a perpetual existence. In other words, they don't die with the owner. That's one of the distinctions that gets made for somebody that's an employee or operating as a sole a sole proprietor. Upon their death, the business is so intricately linked with them that it comes to an end. So again, as we talk about building and that second phase, we're oftentimes talking about incorporating so that there is perpetual existence. That way the business continues. In addition to that and to what you just described, it's important to make sure that all the value isn't just sitting up in the business owner's head, as you say, right? Because we carry around so much intellectual property with us. We need to make sure that we are, to the extent we're able, putting it into mediums that we can then leverage. Again, that creates value because it's being leveraged. And it's also ensuring that if something happens to the, to the brains that be, that the business can continue, not just by virtue of its perpetual existence, but as a going concern with the information that's been spread amongst those who are able to use it. So backups to the company when it's incorporated and backups to our brains to the extent that we're able to. Okay, this is really great advice. I'm really enthused about what you have to say, as I knew I would be, which makes me raise the question. I'm always interested in people's journey and how, you know, a bright guy like you who could have done lots of things, how you happen to focus in on, on this area. Thanks, Ron, for that, because uh, I've been reflecting on that recently as I've been preparing my own memoirs, if you can imagine. I spend a lot of time writing, and I'm uh, writing to that effect right now. And it's been very interesting for me to reflect on just that question. For me, I from a very early age, knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm lucky to be able to say that. Not everybody can. For myself, I was uh, in grade six, I recall, going way back then. And for a careers day, a shadows day, was being asked uh, you know, to choose somebody that you might be interested in becoming someday. Most people picked the parent uh, that they wanted to emulate. For me, I think I broke my father's heart because I said that I wanted to go shadow the local lawyer. And I went down and knocked on his door and introduced myself as a young grade six and told him I wanted to be a lawyer, and could I shadow him for the day? And he laughed, and he actually took me in. That lawyer is uh, still a mentor and friend of mine, if you can believe that. I uh, subsequently, after first year law school, went back and knocked on that same lawyer's door and said, do you remember me? And he looked at me and thought uh, I was like an illegitimate son or something like that. (laughs) But after I explained him, I've been there in grade six, and I asked him for a summer job. He gave me a, a summer job as well, and I continued on to become a lawyer. And Fulfilling that passion was obviously a lifelong goal of mine. In the course of doing so, I've seen many things. I thought I was perhaps going to be a slightly different lawyer than I ended up becoming because I thought I was going to be on my feet, you know, arguing, you know, in the courtroom. And uh, I realized very quickly that lawyers spend very little time actually in the courtroom. They spend a lot of time preparing for court and ripping things apart. And in the course of doing so, I think a lot of people get hurt. Ultimately, there's, there's a winner or someone that feels like somewhat of a winner and then somebody that's going to lose in that process. And I was having difficulty with that. At the same time, I was uh, watching friends and others grow businesses, and I started becoming more involved in that. And I started realizing that I had an ability to help them grow their businesses and sell them. And for that, it became very satisfying for myself because as opposed to the end of a litigation process where people have been at each other's throats constantly, and people leave feeling not very good, I realized that through working with a business owner and they've been able to grow their business and sell it, it sets up that win-win-win I was talking about before where they've done something and created value and they feel good about their legacy continuing. I feel good actually helping them. And the business 
purchaser also feels good because they purchase a business and they are prepared to take that to the next level. So for me and my journey is, as I say, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And then it was a question of fine tuning the area of law that spoke the greatest to me. And that's how I've landed where I am now. And that's where the, the millionaire's lawyers come from as well. Great. And of course, this is the Rejuvenating Podcast. So I'm always interested in what do you do to maintain balance in your life? Because I can understand, given the nature of your work, you could work all the time if you chose to. I know you don't. So how, how do you manage to keep rejuvenating, build, building balance into your life and staying active outside of the law? Oh, it's so important, isn't it, Ron? That's why I appreciate my conversations with you. You're a very friendly reminder of that, and you've been a great counsel to me. Exercise is key for me. I don't know if we spoke about this previously. Yeah, maybe now's a good time as well to raise it and get your thoughts with this. I used to run a lot. And by run a lot, I mean I used to run a lot. I've done five marathons. I found that being on the roads would balance some of the pressures of being in the office on a day-to-day basis. As I get a little older myself, I'm 46 now, uh, as I get a little older myself, I feel the creak of the bones a bit more. And I think to myself that, that that mileage probably wasn't the best thing for me at a younger age. I do now spend time, but it's more a bike, walking with family, kids, and a lot of time out at the cottage and golf. Those are the ways that I do things. So exercise is still extremely important to me. I've been very, very active, but now I choose pursuits that, as I say, are not taking quite the same toll as some of the activities I chose early on in my days. And I suspect you'd, you'd encourage that, right? Or what's your thinking with respect to the activities that I choose? I think that's great. I think, number one, there's very good science to relate exercise to positive changes in the brain. So exercise that fits in with your needs and your schedule is, is really, really appropriate. I think you also have to take into account your, your body and exercises may change at, at various times. I can think back to my 20s, which I guess is, is quite an accomplishment in and of itself. But <laughs> if you Google jumping through your knee, I don't know if you know what it is, but no. I was, I think, one of the few people in the world who, uh, who, who could do it pretty well, which is a matter you hold one foot with one hand and then you jump through the space with your foot. I Probably there's more than a few people in the world, but not many are dumb enough to do it. I don't know whether it's coincidence or not, but I now don't have an ACL attached <laughs> yeah. to the bone in that knee. And then later on, I had a hip replacement. So things like tennis and skiing, which were earlier kinds of things for me, just aren't part of the process. But, but I can go forward, and I do go to the gym three times a week, do yoga exercises once a week. You know, and again, I think everybody has to do it on their own time, but it's really, really important. If you don't set aside time for exercise, in essence, you're saying that your your body and the care of it isn't as important as other aspects of your life. And that's, in our terms, that's committing malpractice. That's right. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, The, Million, the Millionaire's Lawyer. Absolutely, yes. I guess I've done about 15 episodes of the show now, and it's going really well. And it's the focus of the podcast is reaching out and speaking with uh, like-minded individuals who have either grown their business or advised on the growth of a business uh, or have some insight for a business owner to allow them to take their business to the next level. So we've had uh, an opportunity to speak to uh, numerous people, including yourself, from all walks of life. And the listeners have really embraced what we've been saying, which is interesting. And I'm fascinated how people reach out to me from across the country, from all, all over the U.S. and throughout Canada as well, 
they, they heard the podcast and they were interested in exploring one of the concepts, specifically the concept being the growth of that business in a specific jurisdiction seems to be the most common question. So it's been a journey to this point. Uh, when you talk about that passion, I think that gets you excited. I certainly get a bit excited about the podcast and I'm, I'm loving the response that I'm getting from the listeners that are out there. The podcast itself can be found at jpmacavoy.com. So I've got it hosted uh, at a URL, which is my name, which is simply jpmcavoy.com. Or of course, they can just search for The Millionaire's Lawyer on where, wherever they go for their podcasts, you know, iTunes or Spotify or wherever they can. It's a great podcast, and as a fellow podcaster, I can assure listeners that, you know, it would be great if you give it a try, listen to it, subscribe, rate it. That's kind of the, the, the thing that keeps a podcaster going is, is that kind of feedback. By the way, I'm on his podcast uh, almost as we speak. I, th- I think our episode is going to air this week. So again, thank you for having me on on your podcast. I'm glad I was able to reciprocate, although I would have had you on if if you had me on yours or not. You mentioned people contacted you from all over. I'm sure that among the listeners that there are going to be some people who are going to want to know how to contact you. So can you run by that again? And we'll have it in the show notes too. Oh, great. Thanks, Ron. I would recommend to your listeners that they, they, they do listen to our show. The wealth of knowledge that uh, you've got up in your brain, as you describe, is, I think, almost limitless with respect to the subjects that you uh, speak to. And I think you did a real effective job about speaking to them on the podcast that we did. I know that I was inspired. I think we began before we uh, started recording today, where I talked about how my exercise regimen was uh, further solidified by uh, your own exercise regimen and your explanation of the importance of exercising throughout your life. So I want to make sure people take that as well. If anyone wanted to reach out to me, they say certainly the podcast at jpmcavoy.com. I'm a business consultant at CPLSPA. That can be found through that and managing partner of Conic Law. So a law firm which can be found at coniclaw.com. Probably the best way is by email at uh, jpmcavoy at coniclaw.com or by 1-800 or I should say 1833 number. So our 1833 number is one 1- 833-890-8878. I'll just say that again. 1-833-890-8878. I've got a wonderful staff that's been doing a great job for intake for the different questions and submissions that have come through both the podcasts I've appeared on and our own podcast as well. So feel free, anybody, if they have a question, feel free to reach out. If we can help, we certainly will. And if not, we can extend out or refer you to our network. Because like you, Ron, I find that we're connecting with great people through the medium. And there's probably a subject of another podcast. I'm not quite sure how these people attract each other, but I find that good people do find each other. And I find that we all rise, we all raise each other up, right? By uh, deciding to collaborate and working things together. And the work you and I have done to date is no exception to that rule. Absolutely. Thanks very much. And before we quit, being a relatively new podcaster, I'm always capable of making mistakes. So I want to ask, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't or anything else that you particularly want to have emphasized before we close out the podcast? Wow, that's a great question too. Well, you certainly haven't made any mistakes. What I would leave people with though, I think it is so important, and I think it shares your philosophy as well, is to get up and do whatever is on your mind. I don't know how many people I have spoken with over the years that have said to me, I want to start a business, or I I wanted to write that book, or I wanted to do that podcast. 
And if they just spent the time actually doing it, as opposed to talking about doing it, they would find it so rewarding. And they would find it rewarding, perhaps in a pecuniary sense, which is the way I look at things, but also in a rejuvenating type sense, which is the way that you look at things. I'm sure you'll endorse, endorse me, as I say to people, get up and do whatever you have on your mind. You will regret the things that you do. You'll regret the things you don't do. And you'll end up talking about them all your lives, the things you meant to do. When I just say to people, get up and do the things that you actually have in your mind, you'll never regret doing that. That's correct. As I always tell people, it's very hard to be active and depressed at the same time. It's very hard to be moving forward and depressed at the same time. You may not always meet your goals, but if you know that you're not going to meet them if you don't pursue them. And you've been so, so helpful to so many people, both in your own practice and now getting it out into the world both in your own podcast, and I'm sure that many of my listeners are going to gain from it. So I really, really appreciate your coming on, JP. You've been a great friend. I'm sure our friendship will continue. And best of luck to you moving forward. Thanks so much, Ron. Thanks for having me on the show. I look forward to the next time we're in touch. 